Hi everyone and welcome to our July 2023 CP Online webinar. Hi B, it's good to be here with you in Palo Alto, California. Yes. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we're talking about um, the Enneagram types and conflict. Mm, super important thing. Right. Yes, so um, I invite you to start by sharing a few general concepts of, about conflicts and about the Enneagram on it. Then we, we will talk about the nine types on that. Right. So in the same way that the Enneagram types help us enormously, help us enormously um, in relationships with others, in understanding our kind of programming or the relational patterns of our type um, and how we kind of fall into a default mode when relating to others, um, and also help us understand how others are different than us. Um, when we're talking about conflict, which is you know uh, an important part of what happens uh, when we're in relationship with others, um, and it also helps us really understand um, how to have better relationships because it helps us each understand what are our conflict triggers. Like what are the kinds of things that um, trigger each of us when we're more identified with personality type before we're enlightened um, that sometimes lead us to get into conflict with others? And also how do we navigate conflict with others? Um, when we can have more conscious, healthy conflicts with other people, when we can be more aware of what are the things that um, trigger us, what are the things that bother us, that hurt us, um, that tend to push our push our buttons. And sometimes we like to say that um, it's it's good to be around people that push push your buttons because that helps you grow. Um, it really helps us understand how to, um, have better conflict with people such that it's something that brings us together and strengthens our relationships instead of something that we either completely avoid and, and maintains a kind of distance uh, or limitation in our relationships or something where we have unhealthy or, or destructive rather than constructive conflicts. So understanding ourselves, of course, first and foremost, and what triggers us and what are our maybe natural strengths or abilities or capacities to around conflict versus what are the unconscious patterns that we may get embroiled in when conflict arises. Um, we, it can help us have much better relationships and um, it, can, it can help us overcome, I think, one of the big barriers to growth as well. I think when we kind of, I think because conflict injects an element of stress into our lives, both into the experience that we have in the moment and into our, our the ways we relate to others, I think um, conflict can be something that if we don't learn to do it well, if we don't use conflicts as a source of learning about ourselves and others and the way we relate with others, um, then it, it conflict can be something that holds us back because uh, many types naturally avoid it. Other types don't necessarily avoid it, but don't always approach it in the uh, healthiest ways when they're, again, more rooted in personality. And I think the nature of conflict is to kind of push us backwards in our level of consciousness into our lower selves because it's uh, inherently stressful. It's inherently something that 
um, triggers uh, sometimes uh, our worst tendencies. Yes, and the first thing is to look at our triggers, yeah. to know them both from a type perspective, a subtype perspective, a repressed instinct perspective, but also things that don't have to do with the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. For instance, things that come from our parental complexes. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we can't stop in knowing our triggers. Mm -hmm. We need to learn how to manage our reactivity. And that means um, uh, doing a good job in owning our triggers and doing our parts in the conflict. And the theory here is we, we need to work on ourselves first when trying to solve conflicts. We have a big tendency to project all the all, all beauty onto the other. And um, inner work means replacing criticism to self-observation and self-reflection. Uh, um, so I'm not saying replacing criticism for self-criticism. I'm saying look inside, observe, don't judge yourself, and talk about your part. And we inspire the other person to do the same when we model that first. Um, and many times the conf conflicts happen because of lack of acceptance that we have regarding the other person's type, subtype, and everything Enneagram. So it's extremely useful to approach conflict from a perspective of understanding the differences that that person has in comparison to me, but also developing um, not only uh, tolerance, but also compassion. So learning about what is difficult for the other person of that other type is an, another very important thing. And then finally, B, I think, knowing the dynamics of relationships, really. And what is uh, not only normal, but positive is that after a period where there are no conflicts, that we are in a honeymoon stage, there will be conflicts happening. And if there, there are none, that's a problem. Mm. We hear sometimes, especially from nines, but not only, mm. we hear that, oh, I have a 35-year marriage and I've never fought. And we get super concerned because it's like the second stage in relationships hasn't been fully accomplished, which is um, actually also explained by the law three on the Enneagram. We start on one side like honeymoon, the other has no issues. I only see the good in the other and we get along so well. And then we go to the very opposite. The other is hell, right? We need to build this very opposite before we come to a very healthy um, you know, resolution or reconciling force, which is the third force as we talk about on the Enneagram. What do you think about this being? Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think when I was a couples counselor, um, I found that the couples that didn't fight uh, were not healthier than the couples that did fight. Um, it, because often couples that didn't fight 
became more disengaged over time, very distant from each other. And it can be hard to overcome that gap once a certain amount of distance is created, often because of fear of conflict or avoidance. So um, it can be unhealthy to do too much conflict or conflict in a way that's not so healthy, but also unhealthy to not be able to have a conflict. Um, because we know those of us who study team dynamics know that the stages of um, of team development to get to high performance necessarily includes storming, a, a conflict period. So it makes sense that all relationships need to learn to navigate those areas of conflict so that um, that's not a barrier to development, both for individuals and for uh, for couples. Right. Another thing I want to add be is the Sufi perspective on this. Mm -hmm. And that is um, the fact that if you want to really enhance your inner work capacities, you need to bring yourself to a, a good interpersonal relationship that can be either a, a romantic or intimate one or with a close friend. And in, in ways that, uh, unavoidably, that other person will push your buttons and that is what relationships are for when it comes to inner work they are not meant to fulfill us they are meant to trigger us so that we, we when we get triggered we we see ourselves in our shadows on the mirror the other person being a mirror and therefore um, doing, doing the work of looking inside. And um, when we get to certain levels of awareness, uh, it's actually good to bring ourselves closer to the enemy, so to say. So that means if you have um, marital or um, friend friendship relationship that is uh, triggering you, and if you are more advanced in inner work, Make sure that you spend a lot of time with that person and you bring yourself in, into the situations that you feel triggered. But then use that as a mirror, go inside and work on yourself. And, and it's amazing to see that when you do your part, everything changes for better. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I will do all the work for both. It doesn't mean I'll just give up and, you know, and cope. It's really looking inside to why, what I am doing, what I can change, but also a mysterious thing here, which is a, a spiritual concept. How exactly am I creating mm. that situation as an opportunity for change, right? Yeah. So I think it might be a good moment to talk a little bit about the types and how each type gets triggered in conflict and anything that we want to add about what might be interesting or useful to know about the types and yeah. conflict. And I would invite us to also talk about how to approach a person of that type mm -hmm. when in conflict, mm -hmm. what there is to be understood mm -hmm. about that person. Good idea. Yeah. Okay. So shall we start as usual with eight? Yes. Despite the sometimes complaints by sevens. <laughs> uh, and sometimes eights. Yes. Um, so um, I think some conflict triggers with eights are that um, when, when others don't see reality the way they do, um, sometimes eights can 
have an overly confident view of the way they see reality or of their truth that they confuse their truth with the objective truth. So sometimes it can we can get into conflict with eights when we see things differently than they do and they have a hard time accepting that there's another way to see the situation. Um, that they're seeing the truth is the ob objective truth. Um, I think sometimes um, people can get intimidated by eights and think they're always wanting to have a conflict. And I don't think that's true about eights. I think that's a stereotype that eights are going around creating conflict, wanting conflict. Um, when I talk to eights and I do typing interviews, for instance, I hear some eights saying, you know, they don't particularly like conflict, but they'll do it if it feels necessary to move things forward. Um, and so I think sometimes people can uh, trigger eights by not being clear, by not being authentic, by not being forthcoming with the truth, because they're already fearful of getting into conflict with the eight, because the eights can carry a lot of strength and power with them without even saying anything. What else would you add? I like all of that. And what I want to add is something that my very beautiful 15-year-old daughter told me the other day. I so much love her and, I, and admire her. She is starting to date, mm. as you know. Mm -hmm. And she had this boyfriend that was, whatever his type is, was challenging her all the mm. time and bringing himself into this uh, position of um you know not only confronting her mm -hmm. but also being strong to protect her oh interesting and then the relationship finished mm -hmm. and then she's she was considering getting into a relationship that is very different with this other boy that really wants to be in a relationship with her ah. and she says i can't i'm doing all i can to like him but i can't right and wow, who's this not other boy mm -hmm. it's someone who doesn't challenge her and who doesn't um, come into a position of dominating, like not dominating, but taking care of her. Mm. So in her surprising self-observation for a 15-year-old, she came to me and said, I know what's happening. Mm. I don't tell the other person that what I, what I want and need the most is to be taken care of. Ah. And nobody observes that. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows that because I never say. Mm -hmm. And therefore, uh, this first person uh, did what, what I really want, but I never admit. Mm. And the second one is not doing it. Oh, interesting. So she resisted it from the first one and the other guy's not doing it. And so now she's realizing more what she needs. Right. It's an inner split yeah. that we all have. Yeah. We want to dominate like an eight, but we want to be, you know, submitting to that other yeah. person just you know to go against the denial that we don't need this yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. this is a, a a very interesting thing about it so bottom line mm -hmm. when if you are in a relationship with an eight you need to keep doing things for the eight even though you get 10 messages in the mm -hmm. 10 first times that the eight doesn't like that mm -hmm. or doesn't want that it's not true Mm -hmm. Right. And, and realize that sometimes when the, when the eight expresses anger, um, that underneath that might be a hurt that they're not even allowing themselves to feel. 
Um, that So you always need to recognize that there is vulner vulnerability there, even if you're not seeing it. And take care to the, to the sensitive inner part of eights, even if on the outside they seem intimidating. And of course, as we often say with eights, they respect people who are forthcoming, who are direct, who are assertive. And so to work with yourself, if you're someone who has uh, problems being more direct, being assertive, expressing anger, that it's better to do that more authentically with an eight because sometimes eights say they don't trust someone until they've had a conflict with them. Um, so recognize that you may have a disagreement with the eight and you may not see things the same way and it's good to go up against them, but also go up against not in a harsh way, um, but in a way that's direct and owning your own strength and putting your own stake in the ground and being grounded, uh, but at the same time, um, being sensitive to the, the, the sensitive inner core of the eight that they may not show, um, and that they may be needing caring and gen gentleness, even if they're not asking for that directly or um, or, or communicating that non-verbally, uh, but that it's a mixture of both. Yeah, so make sure you are very transparent that uh, you say all that's going on with you, explore all that's going on and say it. And for the eight, uh, do the other person a favor. Um, say that you really need to be taken care of, mm -hmm. Although all cells of your body try to go against that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we are running a flash sale right now uh, on a, an online course we'll have on uh, love language, love languages. It's our love languages too. And it's about conflict and intimacy with each type. And we'll go beyond all of this. So it's a $610 value. And it will be for 375 wow. in this flash sale. So as soon as uh, our discount seats are filled, uh, then uh, the discount will be over. So have a look at our website in case you're interested. What about nines? So let's talk about nines. So nines are, of course, the type that avoids conflict the most. Although several types avoid conflict, including my type, type two. Um, so nines um, often say they avoid conflict at all costs um, because nines main coping strategy is to create harmony in their surroundings and they want to have connected relationships with others and conflict at a deeper level for nines, sometimes conscious, sometimes more unconscious, um, equals separation. Like if there's a conflict, the relationship's over. It's a big separation that can feel sort of traumatic. Um, so a conflict is to be avoided because conflict in their mind equals separation and a, a disconnection that may never be healed or uh, repaired. So with nines, it's important to recognize that they, it, when they're dissatisfied or bothered or angry or judgmental, it will go underground and they may not express that and it may leak out passive aggressively. So they may communicate in terms of being stubborn or not doing something they said they were going to do, or acting like they're agreeable and friendly, but inside um, having resistance or uh, feeling resentful that you're being too authorit authoritarian or pressuring them. And so um, if you're a nine, of course, your work is to become more aware that your conflict triggers could be things like um, people um, um, 
pressuring you to do things that you don't want to do, people overlooking you or not listening to you or not eliciting your opinion or asking you questions, uh, people making assumptions that you're going to be adaptable and not checking in with you and actually seeing what you want and what you don't want. Even if you're not sure what that is, um, nine still want to be consulted. Nine still want people to inquire with them what works for you, what doesn't work, and to be patient if they don't know and to hold some space open for the, for the nine to develop uh, a clearer understanding of their opinion or their desire or their own agenda. Um, so recognize when we're in relationship with eights, recognizing that their conflict Nine. nines can be their conflict triggers can be being pushed around, people being authoritarian, telling people telling them what to do in a disrespectful way, and nines need to realize that also. Yeah. So uh, uh, something that I learned from a nine in a recent course is the main important thing is that people really care, and as they. Uh, leave themselves out of the picture, they invite others to do the same and not care as much. Mm -hmm. So they need people to completely care about the nine. And to and, communicate that. Yes. And, and, but it's more like being there physically present and paying attention, looking into their eyes and being, you know, showing interest with the body. Now, another thing is that deep inside, uh, when there is a conflict and nines are avoiding the conflict, nines are thinking two things that they don't tell you. First, this person doesn't know what I can do if I really allow my anger to go out. And the second thing is um, a, 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 an inner sense that I'm much bigger than the other person. And if I decide to take the lead on this, the other person will really submit because nines are big, very big in the inside. So what nines need to do is to communicate this with courage, going against the, the personality that makes all of that being visible and less conscious and say, look, what needs to happen is this and then grow up in front of the other person, you know, show in all power. So that it requires reconnecting. And uh, if, if you are in a relationship with a nine, not only do all that be wisely explained, but, but also um, make sure that you put the nine in, in a bigger position than they're playing. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I need you to guide me on what to do. That's a great question to ask a nine. Right. And it's really good for nines to really uh, to remember two things. One is there are positive uses of anger, like making boundaries, saying what's important to you, saying what you want and don't want. Um, and conflict can bring you closer to people and it doesn't necessarily create separation. Ones. Ones. Okay. So type ones, um, sometimes get into conflict without intending to, partly because they hold in their anger, right? So things can bother them and they can have this sense of, I'm bothered, I'm irritated. And sometimes they might say something and sometimes they might not. Sometimes they think it's wrong to be angry or they can be a little conflict avoidant. Uh, they can worry about the impact of their anger on others, and they can be judging themselves for their anger, for their irritation, or for being bothered by what's happening. 
Um, so um, inside themselves, nine inside themselves ones need to develop more self-acceptance and self-compassion um, and learn to channel their anger in conscious ways um, to be more clear about how they're feeling and what they need and what they want and what's going on inside so that their anger doesn't leak out and create conflicts by kind of being sideways about what's happening, by, by having the leak out uh, create the problem with somebody else. Because often other people who are in relationship with ones can feel and sense, okay, this person isn't happy with something or they're angry or irritated, but the one either denies it or doesn't want to be clear about it. So ones benefit a lot from doing the work of getting clear about what they're feeling inside, whether it's anger or sadness or something else, and being more proactively clear about that. And that what helps them to do that is not judging themselves as much. And even being clear and honest if they're judging someone else and just kind of laying it out on the table and being open to have a conversation about that. Beautiful. Yeah. So a few components that might might sound contradictory, but we are all contradictory in the inside. Mm -hmm. The one is waiting for the other one in the, in the relationship to commit more, to be more honorable in the agreements and to do their parts. Mm -hmm. So it deep inside, it's almost like shouting out saying, don't allow me <clears throat> to be the only one carrying the load here. Yeah. And, and make sure that, that you help me relax by doing that. There is a deep need and wish actually for the one to relax. And, and here's the thing, when the one in a relationship, when people live together in, 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 in the same house, mm -hmm. when the one goes, wash the dishes before duty or do something before whatever, they are resenting the other person for not doing that. And then conflicts arise. Mm -hmm. So if the other person does that, we prevent conflicts. Mm -hmm. But then <clears throat> it's also very important to know the one is secretly wishing the other person to make them be more free, more loose, more like um, funny and have leisure. So make sure you don't play by the one's book all the time. Make sure that you bring them to play. play. By their rules. Yeah, yeah. Like play before uh, work and fun. fun before duty. Once want you to help them with that. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think if you can share the load or the burden, um, if you can be really open and non-judgmental of the one in your life and invite their what's happening inside them and 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 develop a way to talk about disagreements and conflicts and feelings with no judgment and a lot of acceptance then i think that creates more space for the one to feel more okay about just coming forward with whatever's happening even if they're feeling bad about themselves on the inside or resenting something that you're doing and uh, engage with a good sense of humor. Humor is great for one. So that yes. you invite the one to connect to the greatest sense of humor yes. of all. And another thing when you're in conflict with ones is remember, they almost always have good intentions or good conscious intentions and 
are doing, making a lot of efforts to do the right thing. And so I think if you see that in them and then let them know how they may be inadvertently having a negative impact because maybe they're not being as forthcoming or because there's judgment or, or criticism in the way, I think that can help sort of take them off the hook and create more space for them. So teach us about choose in conflicts. Okay. So twos and conflicts, well, I think most twos will say um, that they avoid conflicts a lot, right? And when I'm doing typing interviews, of course, a lot of times I'm trying to hear the difference between twos and nines because they can be very similar in many ways. They're both very other focused and they both can avoid conflicts because the connecting with others and having a positive or a good feeling connection is very important. But I think one difference between twos and nines is for me as a two, on the one hand, I get very stirred up inside emotionally when something is happening inside me like I've been hurt by someone or I'm angry or resentful at someone or there's some sort of disconnect or problem in the relationship. And on the one hand, I can avoid that because I'm afraid of what might happen if we have the conflict and I fear disconnection, similar to nines. But one difference is I tend to be more aware of being stirred up by that. Like it's, it doesn't really work to put it out of my consciousness. And I tend to even sort of get a lot of feelings inside and sort of almost the more I think about it and rehearse, like, how would I say this if I said this? Sometimes I'll go talk to someone who's not the person I'm having a convoluted with. So I can sort of either vent or rehearse, like, if I said this, how would that be? Um, and, and that can be good if I eventually then take the, my honest, you know, thoughts and feelings to the person, because what can happen is sometimes I try to vent that out as a way of not approaching the person. Right. And so there's a lot of fear. And I think with twos that conflict will lead to something bad. And so there is also a pressure to work it out. So I've heard a lot of twos say, on the one hand, I avoid conflict, but on the other hand, I kind of want to get it on the table so we can resolve it and get back to a good place with each other. But I have a lot of fear that if we put it out on the table, it will get out of control, that my emotional reactions will be too big, or that the person won't understand me or hear me or listen to how I feel. And then we can build a, a sort of agreement or clear, clarity or reconnect from there. There's a real fear of what will happen. So it's like, I think more than nines, we avoid conflict, but we stay more stirred up inside. And sometimes we may avoid the person. Sometimes we may act strangely around the person. Um, but there's a lot of fear and concern around what will happen. Now, we do also repress feelings, but then sometimes what can happen is we explode. We The feelings get too much and we get too emotional or we bring it out in a way that's not very considered um, and that's sort of messy and explosive and creates more problems than it solves. Good. Thank you for teaching me. So three short things. One is um, own your part so that you invite the two to do it next. Yeah. Because this makes it easier for pride to talk about self. If you don't do that first, it's very hard for the two to initiate owning their part. Mm -hmm. Second thing, um, I had to learn with you to listen up to your emotional discharge to the end, knowing that many times right next, very quickly, the emotions will change and everything will be different for better. Mm -hmm. and, and for a poor head type like me, mm -hmm. that it's very hard to make sense of that because yes. it's very different. 
And then one third thing, um, know that inside the two, there is a conflict between wanting to connect and, be, and make that relationship all there is versus I need freedom from it. I need to disconnect. Mm -hmm. which is a call from essence. We can elaborate that on another time. Mm -hmm. So know that there will be a push-pull that you don't see, mm -hmm. right? For choose. Do yeah. you agree? I, I agree. And I also think it's really important to listen fully to the two because for me, if I'm angry at someone, it stays there. I mean, sometimes underground, but sometimes consciously until I can express it and feel heard. So if I express it and I don't feel heard, it doesn't go away. And that's hard because I want it to go away, right? And so really try to hear out the two, even if you don't agree, even if you have different feelings and validate their point of view and say something positive, right? Because I feel safer saying what I'm angry about or what bothers me. If I know we have a solid foundation, I know you care about me. I know that even if we have a conflict, uh, we'll still be connected. And in fact, that similar to nines, if we have a conflict and we get through it in a, in a positive way, it can make us more, more healthy and more connected. Threes. Threes. Okay. Do you want to start or should I? Can start. Okay. So for threes, um, you need to know that they many, many times don't go into conflict and they adapt to you. They, mm -hmm. they feel all the need, uh, all, all the, the first impulses for conflict, but they don't tell you and they adapt to what you believe is needed. And the conflict then gets accumulated. And, and then at a certain time, there will be a lot of frustration by the three, although they may stay in the relationship. And, and staying in the relationship serves a purpose of not failing because mm -hmm. getting out of a relationship feels like failing what is supposed to happen, right? So another thing, and then I want to hear from you, B, is that threes really, really need to be appreciated. They need to get positive feedback and they need to, to just go ahead with, with positivity from the other person. And if you want to get the best from the three, sort of ask for quality of time first uh, before you ask for quantity of time for the relationship. What I often hear from threes is a little bit of a mixed picture when it comes to conflict. Sometimes I hear threes say they avoid conflict, a little bit like twos, like I don't wanna really face the problem. I don't wanna feel like I've failed. I have some concern that it's, I'm gonna hear bad things about me or how we're doing in the relationship um, at, or not wanting to face the feelings that it stirs up. On the other hand, sometimes I hear from threes um, that they can move toward conflict, especially if it feels like conflict is getting in the way of uh, somewhere they want to get to, right? A goal they want to reach or something that they want to do or something that uh, they want the relationship to be. Um, so th they can sometimes see conflict as something that needs to be addressed as a way of moving forward also. Yeah, one last thing about threes. I believe that they really need truth in the relationship, transparency and radical honesty. And they expect that you initiate that. And that will help the three grow in their own paths 
if you model that, for example, uh, and make sure that you communicate previously that you are willing to hear that no matter what the content is and your love does not depend on the three not doing that. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's always good to support threes and having their emotions because sometimes getting into conflicts can somewhat, with someone can be a positive thing for a three in a way they don't immediately recognize. They can see all the downsides of having a conflict, uh, but they don't necessarily see the upsides in terms of the fact that it's good for threes to be in touch with their feelings. Um, and it's good for them to voice their feelings. It helps them get more in touch with who they really are, what they really want. And the best relationships happen with threes when threes can grow and stop shape-shifting so much to please others or to be what others want them to be and be in relationship more as who they truly are deep inside. Force? Force. So force needs to be able to express all the time in the relationship. They also need to feel listened up to the end. And not only, you know, hearing them out, but um, understanding them. And they do not need you to agree with them. And as a matter of fact, they like contradictions. They like pushbacks. They like, you know, other points of view. They really don't mind. They, they are not one of the types that need full agreement. Right. In their relationship. And they like, that wouldn't be authentic sometimes. Right. And they like living in a paradox. Right. So you need to cope with all that. And you also need to cope with the fact that force are truth tellers. Mm -hmm. And they will bring up, you know, bring to surface all the shit on the relationship. <laughs> and sorry for the wording, but it's it's really important for them. And then things can be really good. Yes. And sometimes fours complain that in their relationships, they're always the person in the relationship that brings up the problem that says, hey, can we talk about this? Um, and so it's also good to help out the four by also being attuned to that, even if it's not your, your preferred style. Um, so I think four, fours can also, I think, go either way in relationship. I think many fours uh, will say something like, I can do conflict, or if a conflict needs to happen, um, I can surface it, or I can be okay having a conflict. Other fours sometimes say they avoid conflict for similar reasons that twos might avoid conflict. Worry about the relationship, worry about the impact of the conflict, worry about voicing all their feelings, and that, that maybe they've had uh, a lot of experiences where they weren't understood where they, when they told their emotional truth. Um, so, so for all of these reasons, I think sometimes fours can actually be quite good at conflict and because they're resilient in the face of tough emotions, right? And they can see that the best relationships evolve when there's a lot of authenticity and, and um, honest sharing, right? But they also will be more, they can get more stuck in, in the conflict space if they're not understood. So as Rani said, when you're in a conflict with a four, um, 
make sure you are hearing them out and understanding all their feelings and remembering they're the one that tells you whether you're understanding. You may think you're understanding them. You may think you're, you're validating their feelings, but you, they, it may not be landing that way for the four. And the four is, fours are very good at getting if you get them or not, if you understand or not. So have a lot of ability to hear them out, to understand, to ask questions if you're not sure you understand, and then say, re, sort of reflect back what you're hearing and saying, have I got it right? And then allow yourself to be corrected and go from there. Yeah. Um, and be in touch, try to be in touch with your own feelings as yeah. well. And I think the, the, the real important thing here is to try hard to understand them and not have having an illusion that it will always fully understand them right. because they want to remain a little bit of a mystery to the other and to themselves. Right. And even co always come up with new things that they need to be understood about. But then um, if you do that, chances are that you will do better than anybody else previously for a four it's like in, in a land of blind people whoever has one eye becomes king right right and so remember I remember when I was a psychotherapist working with fours um, I, I learned something really interesting which is something called transference expectations right and what this means is the four in your life may have had a lot of experiences already in their life of being misunderstood so they may expect you not to understand them and already be proactively defensive, right? So the more you can really try to understand them, especially if they see you trying, even if you don't get it right, that goes a long way. Yeah, and, and one last thing from me. Force, if they wanna do better in relationships with less conflict, they need to expect less from their relationship mm -hmm. and not be so picky about small things that would be good. Right, right, right. Not always look at that one thing that's missing. Also look at what's going well and include that in any conversation about maybe what's not working or, or what's, what, what's a problem. I guess I need to start talking about fires. Yes, please do. So understand one thing. Um, fives uh, both want some distance and proximity. Mm -hmm. So it's super important for you to, to try to learn what is the right distance. And, and don't do the thing of going away abruptly. You know, try to go one little step towards and then see what the five feels and thinks and communicate to you both verbally and non-verbally. So don't go away totally because that is really hurtful for fives and many people don't know it. And don't do the thing that fives do. I know it's unfair, but don't simply withdraw because that is, that is very painful for fives. Uh, many times the thing that uh, the types want the least or suffer, suffer the most with mm -hmm. is what they do with others. Mm -hmm. So another thing about fives is to, to really make it simple to be a bit rational and to get to the main point of a conflict instead of talking about all aspects. If you want to have a good conflict resolution conversation, focus on this one important thing and maybe commit to not talking relationship all the time because it's very hard to cope. So do it when it's really important. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I think um, also with fives, it can help to have the conversation about the conversation you need to have yeah. and, and find the right time for it, sort of almost make an agreement about, okay, I think we need to talk about this thing. When would be a good time? And like like Rani was saying, Heads like, yeah. have, have a heads up, like, I need to talk about this, um, you know, and then maybe talk about it to a degree and then let the five think about it for a while. Like both of you kind of, go apart and have your own process and then come back together and, and see it as a step-by-step -step thing. See it as, as he said, like not tackling everything at once um, and not having a conversation where the five feels too overwhelmed either by too many topics or too many feelings or too many demands, um, but to try to sort of narrow the scope in terms of what you talk about when and um, how much ground you cover all at once. Yeah, and then by the end, if you say what would really help me is this, and it would be good enough, you don't ask for everything, mm -hmm. and then you allow the five to stay with that, to absorb, to bring, to understand, and to bring it to the budget in the relationship, and then the five responds, and then always ask the five to come back to you, and you can even say within a week or two weeks, otherwise the five will take years mm -hmm. or not say what's going on in the inside, mm -hmm. right? That That's okay, like we can cope with yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, finally, just acknowledge that the five may be having emotions that they can't communicate. Mm -hmm. So know that and value very small movements when they communicate a bit more, when they open up a bit of emotions knowing how hard that is for a five and just to be clear do you think most fives tend to avoid conflict most of the time i think so mm -hmm. up to a point that they open up the arrow to eight mm -hmm. and then conflict becomes uh, very important for them mm -hmm. as a way to reconnect mm -hmm. uh, i see that as a five what happens with me is that when the other person allows me to voice my anger a little bit without mm -hmm. saying things like oh I miss you being calm you know mm -hmm. when that happens the five reconnects and that's super important mm -hmm. that's great okay so type six okay so sixes need transparency in their relationship the the, the most difficult things perhaps that creates conflicts is hidden agendas they need people to say everything that's happening they can forgive um, uh, any fault, possibly, or most faults, most flaws, if you narrate them, if you say what's happening. Don't just hold on the information or and don't be ambivalent. Uh, when you commit, commit and give the six the security that things are not changing all the time. And at, I think there is something similar to what we said about the ones. Uh, make sure that you carry part of the burden of you know, preventing risks, doing what's needed for everything to run smoothly and stability, because that brings the six to a necessary calmness and peace to be really okay with you. And also understand this last thing. If the six is saying A, it's because they're really trying to get to B. Mm. Like um, if they are 
naming lots of problems in their relationship, it's because they are willing to live in the lack of problems that will come next. The, the peace of um, you know, a world in which problems are being addressed. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think um, trust, of course, is an issue for sixes. And sometimes I think I think sixes avoid conflict, especially probably self-preservation six. And we haven't been talking about differences by, with subtype. And of course, there are in all the types. And maybe we can say a bit about that at the end and in response to a question or two. Uh, but I think some sixes will avoid it a lot out of fear of what will happen. But some sixes, again, it's like bringing the truth out helps them be less fearful. It helps them trust more. Um, so I think um, recognizing that sometimes it can be a positive thing to put the truth out on the table through having a conflict. Um, and that sixes, my six friend is always emphasizing, as you said, sixes like predictability. So being honest, forthcoming, um, laying things out on the table, um, not necessarily having to figure it out all at once, but you know, talking about the different issues and potential solutions um, and doing this in a mental way, but naming feelings as they might need to be named. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it can help sixes feel more secure in relationships when um, things are brought out and discussed in an honest way. Yeah, and at the same time, provide safety, security, Reassurance. and protect the six. Reassurance. But don't play this role alone. Mm -hmm. Give back to the six a certain dose of um, ownership of the issue. So don't allow the six to project all their strength onto you. Sevens? sevens, okay. So sevens, I would say sevens, a lot of the time avoid conflict because they're avoiding the difficult conversation. They're avoiding negative feelings. They're avoiding look at, looking at what's happening that's not working. Um, so they can see life through rose colored glasses and look at all the positives and wanna deny the negatives. And they can fear the feelings that will get stirred up if there is a conflict. Now, I have noticed one difference, and I want to hear what you think about this. And I feel like I've been noticing this over time. I'm not sure if I'm right, but I think there are some sevens that actually move toward conflict. Often, they're the seven who had an eight parent. Um, I just have noticed this over time. I, again, I'm not sure I'm right about this. Or, or needed to learn to have conflict in childhood in order to maintain their freedom and, or in order to sort of get what they wanted or have all their options open or navigate in the world. Um, so there are some sevens, I think, that often are a little bit more forceful, a little bit have a little more aid in them, um, who can do conflict and who can be sort of um, forthcoming or sort of rise to the occasion. But I think a lot of sevens also avoid it in terms of fearing at that inner pessimism that if something bad happens, I'll be stuck in that forever, or if some difficult feelings, pain gets stirred up, that that will be something that I can't find my way out of, or we can't find our way out of. Yeah, I love all that, B. And I believe it's important to understand that the seven has an inner pessimist, which is if we start talking about issues, it will never stop and it will bring us to an end that it's one of the most pessimistic types, only that it's in a hidden way. 
So it's covered by a lot of apparent optimism. Mm. So what is very much needed when discussing issues and having a conflict with seven is at each time that there is a little bit of progress, name it, mm. name that as a progress and come with a lot of positivity and hope that this thing is going to be solved and bring in good things that are also happening together with the hard things. Mm -hmm. So talk about both at each time. And while there is a big need to allow the seven to chime in and to say mm -hmm. things um, when you're speaking, mm -hmm. don't allow the seven to get into rationalization mm -hmm. and avoidance and say, look, you are trying again to bring us to a rationalization of this. I see that and I'm choosing not to go there because I want the best for us. Mm -hmm. Let's not just um, try try to go other places. Let's face it, and it will end. It will end. It will be okay, and we can have fun tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? So when you suggest that there will be fun and positivity, the seven goes more easily into what's hard. Right, exactly. And finally make sure that you understand that sevens stay alone and living what what is hard but they don't communicate mm -hmm. to you they don't initiate the talk mm -hmm. so ask uh, almost repeatedly mm -hmm. what is going on with them that they are not happy with yes and let them know how it will be a positive if they tell you and you have a conversation because you'll get to a better place, right? I think if you can show them that having a talking things out will get to a better place and you're positive along the way and not just talking about the problem or being sort of negative, I think that really helps them tolerate the conflict and recognize that they can have a, a better experience if they move through that conflict and that you'll support them in that and that you're naming sort of the positive things along the way that they're doing that you're doing together and the out that the outcome will be positive if you can engage in that in the difficulty and that it will be temporary right so hopefully we can just go five ten minutes uh over to we answer some late. questions yeah. yeah but about questions can i start with one from a fellow brazilian sure it's very quick sure Gianni is asking what is the instinct, instinctual sequence that uh, can be the most um, prone to fighting in a relationship? Mm, and she question. asks about you, but I'll answer about it in general and then about you. I think that in general, the one that tends to be the most conflictive or belligerent is the sexual dominant with social repressed. That's what I observe. But for twos, Perhaps it's a bit different with social dominant first hmm. and uh, with sexual second. For type twos? For type twos. I think that because twos are more, uh, social twos are, uh, hmm. you know, lean a bit more uh, at eight. Mm -hmm. But I do think that sexual self-press social is also somewhat belligerent for twos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do think that it needs to be said that for not all the types, for, but for many of the types, when sexual is dominant, that makes them a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more, you know, able to engage in conflict or, or creating conflicts. Let's put it that way. Now, we have a question here, B, um, from, from someone saying, I'm married to a self-described sexual one. 
And I would say he's rather outspoken about his judgments. Yeah. It can be hard to deal with. The Enneagram helps me understand where this comes from, but any suggestions as how to best interact with this sexual one specifically? I mean, what I would say is um, hear them out and really hear what they're saying in terms of if they're being judgmental or angry. Try to hear what they're saying anyway, because sometimes we can all get defensive in the face of feeling judged or anger. Try to hear what and even ask questions like, so what's the thing that bothered you the most? Or what do you think you're really angry about? What's the main thing? Um, and hear them out. And then own what you can, if you can, and maybe point out that you feel judged and how that impacts you. If there's something you can own or you can be held accountable for, name that. And then after you've sort of done that, then ask them, you know, could you, could you, is there any way that you could see what you might also have contributed to the situation? Because I think what's hard for sexual ones sometimes is they can sort of see what's wrong out there, but not see as much how they're they're also contributing to a conflictual situation. Now, it may be hard for some of them, but it's also good, I think, at, at moments when they can hear you to say the impact of their anger and their judgment, to say, you know, when I feel judged, it makes, it makes me really defensive and it makes me hard to open up or it makes me hard to hear your suggestions for improvement because I'm sort of needing to defend myself. And I think if you can help them understand that and say what might work better for you. Um, and again, especially in a calmer moment, may, that can also sometimes help. But what would you say? So while I agree with you, I think that all sexual dominance uh, need and even want to be confronted. Mm. So uh, uh, the way I would suggest that the other person uh, says what you said, is a bit more sharp. Mm -hmm. So saying something like, look, you are being too critical of me and I need you to see the good things and tell me now. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. I think, uh, I, I'm not sure to what extent this is the Brazilian way or that doesn't fit the American way. Mm -hmm. And please adapt that. But I do think there needs to be a sharp edge. And I do want to say too, that sexual ones sometimes don't, think that anger is bad, right? So I think it's more the social and the yeah. self-preservation one, especially or earlier we said they can think they can judge themselves for being angry. No, I think sometimes the sexual one can also judge themselves for being angry, but other times sexual ones are freer with their anger and feel entitled to it instead of feeling bad about it or seeing what the negative impact might be. Okay, so another question. I'm a self-preservation for married to a five. Sometimes in conflict, he, the five, seems like an eight, where his opinion is the right opinion. Is this typical of a five in conflict? Yes. <laughs> and now what to do? You, you, you hang in there. You allow the five to be confrontational. You hold your ground. And you don't say you're being too much now, you're being too harsh because that brings the five to withdraw for way longer. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is I hear you all, this is my part. <clears throat> and I need you to know that what I need is this. And you are being too intellectual in your anger, saying all that needs to be done, but I can't do everything. You need to, to do that, to, to understand me this, this, and that way, and validate my emotions. Don't be only intellectual. Okay, I'm going to remember that. Okay. Okay. How do fives and sixes work through things in a good way? 
And someone said, yeah, Uranio, Uranio's wife is a six. So I think there is a risk of never stopping being intellectual and analyzing the situation. And they lose a little bit of the practical ways of solving things. Like, boom, let's, this is what we are going to do. Let's not talk much about that anymore. And I think that the five, when the five under communicates, the six, is, the six doesn't feel safe because it's almost like things are not on the table. And the five needs to be more frank using the arrow to eight. <clears throat> and the six needs to understand the very hard impact that their anxiety has on fives. Fives hate becoming anxious because of the other person's anxiety. So calm down and especially agree on times that you're going to talk about problems. Uh, it's very hard for fives to have a six coming to them talking about problems all the time. It's, it feels really overwhelming. So I think the, the way to solve is practical and also agreements on when things should happen. <clears throat> okay. Uh, when it comes to adult-child-parent relationships, when does this become parentification be? When is it appropriate and not appropriate for adult children to try uh, out some of these approaches when parents aren't doing their own work? So this is a child-parent relationships in terms of adult children? So people yeah, over 18? That's what I understood. Yeah. Um, because I do think, of course, it's much different if your child is say, <laughs> yeah. younger than 18 versus over 18. Um, I think that I think with adult children, um, you know, you can be more straightforward um, and treat them as an adult. You know, almost it's I think it, it can be a matter of respect. But of course, parent child relationships are very complicated and often conflicts are the result of patterns that have been going on over time and blind spots that are much trickier to address than in, say, you know, other kinds of relationships. Um, but I think that it's good to try out some of these things, but to be a little bit more careful, let's say, because again, you can trigger things that have been long standing that go back a long way. And I think sometimes parents still need to take a little bit more responsibility <laughs> for the way they communicate and for owning their stuff and for being careful about the way they communicate, recognizing that even though your adult child is, is an adult and needs to be treated as such, there's also a way that you may trigger them in ways that go much beyond the normal, uh, say, adult friend relationship or intimate relationships where you haven't been living together your whole life and there aren't these sort of deep-seated things that may get triggered in addition to the normal type versus type conflict. So and I'll start answering another question here. I'm a self-pressed one. How do I deal with a judgmental self-pressed eight mm -hmm. husband? So here's the thing. The, the eight will be judgmental and you as a self-pressed one may have a tendency at, at least for some time to take that uh, with inner criticism self-criticizing yourself even more because that's the tendency for self-pressed ones and what you need to do is to stop that inner criticism and say you've been very unfair now and I feel hurt by you you go be alone and reflect about your impact on me 
and you need to stop being this harsh and leave. So this is your inner work and it's what works with AIDS. Guess why? Because AIDS have no clue that they are being judgmental and harsh. They need to hear this from the other person. They need this feedback and feedback for AIDS is like this, boom. And let them leave and do something different. And then don't expect them to come and say, oh, I'm so sorry I did this. The most they can say is sorry or not even that and start behaving better and then acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, calling them in on calling them on it, even in the moment, like right now, I can't hear you because I'm feeling criticized. And that's a big trigger for me. I want to be able to hear you. I want to be able to know what you want from me and what you need. But right now I'm feeling criticized and I'm shutting down. Something like that very, very uh, directly, I think, can be helpful for AIDS. And even to say, here's what I need from you. And again, then let them work on it. And if if they keep doing the same thing, remember what I told you, here's what I would, here's what works for me. Sometimes it's good to really lay out, here's what would work for me so that we can have less conflict. Yeah. Uh, two last questions or three very quickly. So as a sexual three, how do I best resolve conflict with a social nine? Here's the thing I observe, not only from, you know, sexual threes, but from all heart types. Heart types tend to think that, that the resolution of conflicts needs to always be emotional, talking emotions, and that's not all there is. So what social nines need is you to be in your body and not get just in your emotions and uh, you know resonate with them in this more instinctive level and then say yeah let's work through this let's do this this and that so it's a little bit more about what to do differently yeah right uh, yeah. and threes may look practical and so forth but they they do come across to the other person as being emotional also mm -hmm. it's energetic and body types feel that and having said that just make sure that you bring the social nine into the picture Chances are that the in the conflict, the social nine is not really talking directly about their own needs and priorities. So try to acknowledge those and help the social nine verbalize what might be there. As a three, you have this ability to know what's going on with the person. Mm -hmm. So help out the social nine. Yeah, ask the social nine questions uh, to elicit more of what's going on for them and let them know how things can be better for you um, going forward if you um, address the issue. Yeah, and the question again about fives, what are the ways they can get better in conflicts? Communicate more. Try to start speaking before you have processed everything in your mind because things will come as you talk. So start saying, I think I'm feeling like, and then whoop, things will come. Learn how to access stuff at the moment. Shorten the timeline to talk about stuff. Don't stay with all of that to yourself and allow for some anger to come up because that is the most efficient way for you to reconnect with the other person. And watch out for just being hopeless and start just coping with the situation because chances are that you'll do that by disconnecting and that will irritate the other person further. Great. One last question. Last question. <clears throat> so from Julia in Brazil, so I'll translate the question. My son, a seven, 
uh, has a lot of difficulty coping with his father's anger. His father is a, a self-present nine. How can I help him? I think <clears throat> it's good to first talk with the father and not the son, uh, saying that <clears throat> being straightforward and starting by criticizing is not producing results. Self-present nines can be very pragmatic. And when they understand that, you may even say you are trying to be right and you're trying to you know, do things to correct him, but it doesn't work. If you want that to work, approach our son with more um, positivity and leaving some flexibility. Mm -hmm. Don't try to really do make him do this one thing because it's not going to work and you'll get more and more frustrated. Mm -hmm. Now with the seven, the son, teach them <clears throat> to respond to the criticism or to the you know directive guideline coming from the father with being direct back and saying in shorter words something like i can't follow rules like you see them it's harder for me to feel imprisoned and lacking freedom when you tell me that there is only one way to go mm, forward. Good. So can you be a little more flexible with me? Mm -hmm. and, and that will be engaging with uh, uh, confrontation a bit earlier. And then there might come a positive talk. And one thing to say is, look, you as a self-press nine dad, you are super flexible with other people and uh, at least more than with me, if this is the case. So can you um, re, uh, have a relationship with me similar to how you have a relationship with other people, please? Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us for this webinar. Um, and if you're interested in this topic, we hope you'll consider joining our um, Love Languages to Conflict and Intimacy upcoming course, and maybe bring your friends and partners who you wanna to learn to have better conflict with um, so they can uh, learn from it as well.